Hello again, everyone. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for joining us on localjobnetwork.com radio. Now here on Management Decisions, we take a look at topics related to management and the upper levels of organizations, looking to give you, the listener, some quality insight. Now for this episode, we're examining the idea of leadership versus management versus even administration. Now these are often intertwined, but they hold unique differences as well. Our expert on this subject is Gary Boomer. He's the CEO of Boomer Consulting, and he's also a recognized talent, frequently named by Accounting Today as one of the 100 most influential people in accounting, as well as a member of IPA's 10 Most Recommended Consultants. Gary, thanks a lot for coming on LGN Radio today. It's my pleasure, Tim. Glad to be here. Well, as I mentioned before the show started, a topic that comes up a lot, the idea of leadership or management, or how do you, how do you talk about administration? Can you start off the listeners by just giving them maybe a quick idea of how you might differentiate leadership, management, and administration? Sure. Uh, And there are a lot of different definitions that people have. We work primarily in the accounting profession with the larger accounting firms. So we've kind of identified our definitions for that market segment, although I think they really apply across a broader band than just the accounting firms out there. Sure. We define leadership as more a vision and the planning components of a firm. We further define management as the execution of that vision and the creation of value. Okay. And we finally define the administration as the process and the task that go along with that. Now, I'm sure those all cross over into each area. But the big thing that we try to stress upon firms is that there are different skill sets required for all three. And too often, we're asking people that really don't have those skill sets to perform one or more of those tasks in a firm. Right. I think that's a great point. And something, as you said, comes up, I think, in a lot of businesses and places of employment. When we look at the idea of leader then, and you mentioned um, you know, vision and planning, That lends itself to me to hear that anyone really within an organization can be a leader. Where they fall into play as far as those other areas, that might vary. Is that how you view it, that leadership can come from just about anybody? Absolutely. And I think a misconception of people is that sometimes they view the leader as the managing partner or the CEO, Mm -hmm. but there are leaders at all levels of the firm. And if you don't have leadership at those levels, then you probably don't have a complete firm or organization. So people shouldn't be misled to think that there's only one leader. There are multiple leaders and you need those leaders at all levels. At the same time, ideally, you do want those leaders to be, hopefully at some point in those other positions, management, administration. Is that the ideal path, or do you still want to keep leaders sort of across the board? Well, you have to have them across the board. The The key factor, though, is the shared vision. Okay. If you don't have a shared vision for the organization, then you can have people chasing different visions, and that can be confusing to your organization in the area of allocation of resources, also in what vision do people follow And we often find that in professional service organizations where you have many people that are partners and they're leaders. And if they don't share a vision, then they're going in many different directions. And oftentimes that keeps them from uh, achieving maximum capabilities 
because they're chasing too many opportunities with too few resources. Right. How then do you find out or maybe recognize that somebody is a leader, however that might be portrayed? I mean, does it really just come down to that vision or is there something you would point to or maybe you've experienced over the years that would say, that person is definitely a leader. Let's look to possibly move them up the ladder, so to speak. Well, I think there are several areas that these people step forward. There are also some tools that you can use, um, like the Colby Index uh, and Synergy reports that we have on Teams. Uh, The Colby Index, uh, Kathy Colby was the founder of that. Okay. And it's a quick test that you can take. Uh, Her father was Wonderlick. You probably heard of that test. Oh, yeah. She used in the NFL. And she always said, uh, told her dad that she thought there was something more about a person's MO and how they operated. And if they were left to their own accord, what would be their unique ability? Okay. We see in the accounting profession, if you are able to work in your unique ability, and you know, even Jim Collins has said it's important to get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus. (laughs) But I think the Colby Index is even further than that. It's get them in the right seat on the bus. Sure. And we often say that it's not the employee that's at fault. It's often the organization because they've got that employee in the wrong job and they're not using their unique abilities. So you can use some of this testing to help people really know their unique abilities because oftentimes people have been taught or told they need to work on their weaknesses rather than focus on their strengths. Mm -hmm. And here, I think if people focus on their strengths and you have unique ability teams where people are different, they can offer better service to their clients and they can work as a stronger team. So we really believe in using these mechanisms or tests to really reinforce people's strengths rather than their weaknesses. Also, people, you know, they know their strengths. Sometimes they don't really know them. They think they do. But uh, if you go back and ask a a teacher, a good client, or even a parent, they can pretty well tell you what your strengths are. (laughs) Especially clients can tell you what your strengths are. Now, anyone can operate outside their unique ability for a reasonable amount of time. But over a long period of time, if you do that too long, you'll burn out. Mm -hmm. And that's why people can't stay in the same job too long if they're in the wrong seat on the bus. Well, I think that's a great look into this sort of second aspect to that. Um, You know, a lot of times people are good at their job. Maybe they even show those leadership traits. And the automatic thought is, all right, let's move them into that management position, be a manager over, over a team. And that doesn't always necessarily work out. And a lot of things we read and hear about often, it comes down to training. How do you guys view Uh, management training, the importance of that, and and maybe if that's lacking across a lot of businesses? Well, I think it is lacking. And, you know, we believe that people need to be lifelong learners. And I always refer back to uh, Jim Collins' uh, five levels of leadership. He says that anyone that enters an organization, you believe they're going to be a capable individual or you probably wouldn't have hired them. And the second level is they'll be a contributing team member mm-hmm. as they advance throughout their career. And then you're hopeful they'll get to the level where they would be a competent manager and be able to manage a team. 
But there are some people that are just rugged individualists, <laughs> and they believe that they can do it better than anyone else, and they prefer to work as rugged individualists. And then as you move on up beyond the management level, you have effective leaders, and those leaders sometimes have agendas, not always, but to get to level five, I think you have to be at the executive level, and that's where the company and all the people are really your number one goal, and the vision is for the company and for the people, not a personal objective or goal, and that's what Collins defines as a level five executive leader. Okay. And there aren't too many of those out there <laughs> from my experience. Is that, do you see as being the biggest challenge? Because you talk about maybe a talented individual and they have all these ideas and and at some point, you know, they're, they're sort of in it for themselves or a lot of what they do is is focused that way. Do you see that as often being the biggest challenge when you're looking to move someone into a management position or even even greater, as you said, to an administrative or executive level? Well, that's probably somewhat human nature okay. that, you know, what's in it for me sure. is, a, is a typical self-serving motivator. But there are definitely people out there that are motivated beyond money and they're motivated by passion, by seeing other people's success. So I don't want to say it's unusual, but you have to search and find that person with that unique ability and get them into the right situation. Sure. And that's not easy. I don't want to lead anyone to think that it is easy and that a simple test like the Colby isn't always going to find that person. It's also partly about the timing in their career. You've got to catch them early enough in their career so there's a development process that goes on into it. If you catch them too late in their career, I've often said in the CPA profession, if you if you catch two people too late, they might become cynical <laughs> and not uh, have the right attitude mm -hmm. as the leader. Now, we hear often, and you've alluded to it as well, that you know when people leave, whether it's a firm or any sort of company organization, and even talented individuals, they leave because of a bad manager. It's usually not because of the work itself or because of the company, but it's because of that manager. What is it that makes that person or those people so influential, so impactful that it determines who in a lot of cases stays or goes? Well, if they are working for a bad manager, they don't see the opportunity ahead of them. They may not see an opportunity for additional learning. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they just feel trapped in the organization. So they leave because of that person that's managing them not because of the firm. And we see that quite frequently. And in exit interviews, we hear from people that it's generally not the firm. They like the firm, but they don't like a particular partner or a manager and how they were treated by that person. When you then move to the next level, the idea of administration, you brought up that sort of the key components there are processes and tasks. Again, under this umbrella of everybody, of course, hopefully being on their same vision, what skills do you point to as saying, if you're going to be successful in an administrative position, what do you need to have? Are there certain traits that you would point to that, that are essential if you're going to be able to be successful again in those positions? Absolutely. In an administrative role, you have to have follow through. You have to have, have discipline. You have to be able to establish one process and require people to stick to it. 
in the CPA profession, you know, tax is a big issue in most firms mm-hmm. and how you process tax returns is is something that we've always done. Well, with automation and technology, very few people see all facets of that process from the time the information comes into the firm until it goes out. But firm administrators see that. IT people see it. Partners don't even see all of it. The CPAs that work on the returns don't see it all. But an administrative person has to document that and be able to cut out the loops in the process, streamline the billing process, schedule the appointments, and schedule getting the information in to the firm and making sure due dates are met and making sure that uh, the billings go out and the collections are timely. Right. So somebody that has an attention to detail has to be in that administrative position. They also have to be able to have people that can work with them. You know, they can't be a lone ranger type. Right. They've got to be able to build a team. Now, I always find this interesting to sort of look back um, to how things were, quote unquote, and how they are now. Do you see any big differences about leadership or management or administration from, say, 20 years ago to today or anything that's played a big factor in how maybe people need to work differently or think differently? I would say the big difference that I've seen in my career is technology. Sure. And I, I don't want people to misunderstand technology. It's not a substitute for people planning and processes. It's just an accelerator or a tool. Mm-hmm. But everything moves at much greater speed today. So therefore, leaders are challenged with faster change management. I think change is probably the biggest thing and technology creates that change. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, right up there on the top of the list, as you mentioned, um, you know, just as far as adding some challenges, really, I would say, in some cases. Um, But to your point, it doesn't take away from sort of the basic principles. How about if we look at common mistakes people or organizations might make when you're talking about maybe a leadership program or management training or even something on the administrative side? Do you see a certain mistake that occurs more often than others, or maybe a couple that you could point out? Well, the first one that comes to my mind is, and I saw some comments on this article, and I think they were right on target with, I didn't mention mentoring or coaching. Okay. I would say that mentoring is something that a lot of people feel is very important. I would say coaching to me is far more important. We are talking about that idea of mentoring and coaching. Is that somebody then you want sort of with that individual that you're working with, like on a consistent basis? Is it more of a check-in point? How would you handle it? Because obviously that person, they have their own job to do as well. Yes. One of the things that we're finding is right now we have four generations in many of these firms and generational uh, differences are certainly there. And we're finding the younger generations like more feedback and more consistent So rather than an annual review, we're finding that feedback on a quarterly basis with quarterly game plans, people like upfront goals. And so it takes more management time, but people become more self-managed if they will start off with a 90-day game plan and then have a 90-day accountability review and redo that plan. Once you get in that habit, it takes really less time and you get a lot more progress from those employees by doing it every 90 days. 
And that seems to be about the right amount. Mm -hmm. Some firms have tried to go from once a year to semi-annually. Okay. But yet uh, 90 days seems to be what we found to be the best uh, process in our own organization as well as in many of our clients. The other thing that we found is that you don't have to use the traditional reporting structures that we've seen in the past and probably you had not to have over five people report to someone else. So you can break that down into smaller reporting requirements and uh, that seems to work much better. Oh, I think that's great. I, I appreciate you bringing in sort of that tangible idea that people can latch on to, um, as you mentioned, a little more frequently with the feedback and, and some of the different strategies you can use there. We are getting low on time, but I did want to give you the floor here at the end, just to give our listeners maybe a, a final takeaway or piece of advice that you would offer up regarding leadership, management, administration, again, the, the thought process behind it, maybe what you think works well, um, but really anything you'd want the listeners to hear and understand before we wrap up today. Well, I I would just say in closing that mediocrity hates excellence, and excellence hates mediocrity. If you want excellence, you have to have accountability. We're seeing the excellent young people really want to be held accountable, and we think this 90-day game plan is probably the best way to do it. So you got to be serious about it. It takes some time, but the rewards are great, and I would encourage anyone that's serious and wants to make the improvement that you've got to make some changes in your organization if you expect different results. That sounds like a perfect way to wrap up this conversation, and that will close us out on this edition of Management Decisions and our examination of those roles of leadership, management, administration, and some of the strategies that might be effective as they have been for our guest and his organization. Uh, We've been speaking with Gary Boomer. He's the CEO of Boomer Consulting and, as mentioned before, a well-respected individual in the field of accounting specifically. Gary, thanks again for offering up your perspective on this subject. Really do appreciate it. You're welcome, Tim. And of course, we always want to hear from you, the listener, as well. Just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.